Welcome back to episode 82 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and today we bring you another very special guest, the CEO of Mintable, Zach Burks. Here are some of the topics we discuss today. First up, we discuss how gas prices are affecting the NFT space. Next, what are the differences between the Zilliqa and Ethereum blockchains? Then, does it really matter which blockchain is used to mint an NFT? And finally, will we see a surge of ERC-20 tokens coupled with NFT projects? All right, let's listen in. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Uh, we were just having a quick conversation on how we're kind of in the same space with NFTs. So uh, w- w- the first question is, how did you get into NFTs? Like, what led you to down this path? Oh, um, well, you know, I've been in crypto for quite a while. Um, I got into like t- late 2012, 2013. And um, so I found NFTs when CryptoKitties came out. I was watching the hackathon that they were presenting at, at ETH Waterloo. Uh, and I was just bored one day at home watching the hackathon. And they presented, you know, this game on Ethereum. And at that point, you know, they really never been done before. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I want to play. And so I, I went to the, the beta for CryptoKitties. And um, you know, it was at a hackathon, so everyone who was playing was at the hackathon, but I was not. So I was like one of the few people that was not busy, and I was able to just sit there and <laughs> spam the game over and over. Uh, and I won like the first two prizes actually, which uh, I like to. It's a weird flex, but I like to say that I was the first person to make money on CryptoKitties yeah. uh, because <laughs> because of that. And um, once I, I realized that uh, that was before like you know NFTs were a thing, before like the 721 standard, but I realized like oh, there's a lot of potential here of what you can do with this. A, a, Type of non-fungible token, uh, you know, from game items to really advanced stuff like identity and uh, you know even like insurance type situations. So that really kind of started it. I never looked back. Uh, once I once I kind of found NFTs, I've just always been working on NFTs since then. Uh, after CryptoKitties, um, did a few other projects. Had a paper published uh, about NFTs and like food traceability. Then uh, I made uh, Mintable uh, about about maybe a year after that and um you know the rest is history i've been working on mintable since then and doing different iterations and launching it throughout just kind of i've watched the nft space go from you know this idea this can this you know concept into kind of uh what it is now which is you know it's 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 doing really good we've we've, we've done over like a hundred million dollars in volume right uh which is which is a huge number for one-off items um so oh, yeah. We've seen we've seen a lot of growth, and I think that NFTs and adoption kind of go hand in hand. And I think that that's really going to be one of the driving factors in this next bull run is just more people getting on board with NFTs first, and then moving to other kind of crypto items and different things that they were doing with crypto. Yeah, we always talk about how NFTs is really kind of like you know I'm sure you grew up playing a lot of video games and kind of like in the early days like with WoW or Counter Strike any of these games where you'd spend all this time and you would collect these in-game assets at the time and ultimately led you to nothing. And so I think and I think you're right with NFTs. It's like as soon as you know gamers start playing and collecting this stuff, they start realizing well these are actual assets that can be actually con- you know converted into cash. And uh, things won't be the same for gamers after they realize this. And and for the most part, I don't think. Do you believe gamers are aware of what's what's actually going on with these uh, digital assets? Um, no, you know, if it's it's kind of hard because we're in this like 
this wind chamber where, you know, when you say something, I hear it because we're all in the same space and it's the same vice versa. But if you really zoom out and look at how many people are actually in the NFT space, it's not a lot. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually really small. Yeah, it's. I, uh, <clears throat> I think there's charts you know, out yeah. there that, that compare like the actual like market caps of the NFT space compared to like the general crypto space, and it's like a blip yeah. in a circle or something e- like that. It's tiny. Even I, are you referring to like the non-fungible uh, report that they just put out like yeah. uh, a few months ago? Yeah. Even yeah. that, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think is uh, a good full overview. I, as I looked at the report as well when it came out. And at first I was like, oh, well, you know, we have 100,000, um, you know, roughly 100,000 uh, NFT addresses of people using NFTs. But the reality is if you go look at, you know, right now, we're all going to say the same answer. What is the largest marketplace for NFTs? OpenSea. Right. Mm-hmm. And how many users does OpenSea have? I don't know. I actually don't know that number. Well, what do you what do you think it is? There's we from the non-fungible reports, it says there's a hundred thousand addresses that own NFTs. So how many people are using OpenSea? Maybe like less than twenty twenty thousand. Oh, you're close. You're close. It's they just they just surpassed twenty thousand. They said like last month, right? Oh, really? Wow. So that's nothing. Like just I, I, yeah, exactly. I think they just have around twenty thousand users. So if you think about that, like that's that's a very small number of actual people. Uh, and a lot of these people, you know, they're not like. You know, they're not like your really active users. They're just, they come in, they, they either make an account, they do one transaction, that's it. Um, so, you know, the NFT space is super small. And I think overall, uh, not a lot of people are aware of it. And it makes a lot of sense when you explain it to them. Like, it's a lot easier for me to explain a game item or artwork than is, you know, yield farming or a DeFi yeah. protocol, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where the adoption comes in. But overall, um, it's still very, very, very small. And I think there's there's a lot of room to grow. Do you do you think that the NFT space is on a trajectory to like expanding, kind of like exponentially, like like some of these cryptocurrencies are doing, or is this so sort of like a slow growth? Like we're still like in the infrastructure stage where there's still a lot more stuff that needs to be built before the the actual masses come in and start accumulating these assets. Um. Well, it, it's been a slow growth. Right. Since we started, uh, it's been quite slow, actually. Uh, you know, I've, I've always thought NFTs were going to be the big thing and bring all this, uh, you know, wave of adoption. Uh, and that was, you know, like two years ago. And, yeah. you know, what's what's happened, essentially, it's it's been growing and it's blowing up now. Right. Like we've I think we've done over double the volume of what we've done last year. Right. And the year's not even over for the whole NFT space. Sure. Uh, and, you know, these are that's a good sign seeing growth like that, that means that it's picking up and it's only going to continue to pick up uh, as long as everything goes accordingly, right? Right now, the NFT space is kind of grinded to a halt because the gas prices, mm-hmm. if you want to you know, mint an NFT, it's 25 bucks just to mint it. And if you wanted to make your smart contract, you're looking at like $75. Uh, and that's that's a kind of a big barrier for entry to a lot of people. Um, so as long as things kind of go back to normal, in terms of gas prices and usability, then I think it's good. You did mention infrastructure. And because like, you know, we're a tool and we're an infrastructure asset for the NFT space, Mintable, mm-hmm. uh, I, I do have to say that there are some things that still need to be addressed and added so that the everyday user can kind of come in uh, and play without, you know, super complicated steps that is just, you know, the, the normal UX issue that crypto has. Okay. So it's more of like the onboarding aspects of, of getting into cryptocurrency just to begin with. 
yeah, it's really hard if someone just wants to buy, you know, a digital asset, like, you know, maybe an image or a file or something like that. They don't want to have to go and think about how you get crypto. You're going to have to connect your bank to some exchange, wait a few days for the transfer. Once that transfer goes through, then you're going to have to buy your asset at a different price. Then you have to wait for that to be withdrawn to your wallet that you had to set up your metamask and then you go back and finally buy your thing maybe a few days to a week later and that's just uh you know just for a download that's kind of (laughs) kind of a lot to ask yeah for sure also uh i'm I'm curious why did you use zillica um like what what was what what went on with like the decision making process in choosing zillica well so you know we we have an ethereum version and we launched that uh back that was you know our alpha, our beta, and it's still live right now. Mintable.app is the Ethereum version. Uh, but when I moved to Asia and then Singapore after that, uh, I got in close contact with uh, with Zillica here in Singapore because that's where they're based out of. And the team overall, like, you know, I'm very skeptical of different chains, you know, that, that claim to be like, um, you know, Ethereum killers or competitors. Sure. But Zillica doesn't claim to do any of that. Uh, and Zillica... They're, you know, they're like a friend of Ethereum in a way where it's not necessarily, they're not trying to kill the chain or anything like that. And their team is is highly professional. They don't do kind of, you know, native marketing or they won't say they're going to give away a, you know, a Lambo or <laughs> some trading competition or anything like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're, they're ethical and they're moral. Uh, and then when you look at the technology, they implemented, you know, proof of stake and a sharded blockchain like uh long before anyone else has ever done it. Uh, you know, it's been live for over over a year now. And that in and of itself is a huge technical accomplishment. The second thing is like, it's, it, it's extremely cheap and scalable. So it's very similar to essentially doing like a layer two, right? Um, the difference is when we decided to work on Zillica, uh, there's a few benefits, there's a few downsides, but overall there's net gain, right? There's net benefits of, of it's cheaper, it's faster, uh, and it's it's essentially the same user experience for someone from you know coming from Ethereum or another chain. Um, so we haven't we haven't you know uh, given up or or switched over from Ethereum, right? We're gonna we have two apps. We have an Ethereum and we have a Zillica app. Um, and so, you know, if you wanted the Zillica blockchain and you want to have the cheaper fees, because right now gas fees are expensive, you can do everything that you can do on the Ethereum side over at zillica.mintable.app, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually our, our 2.0, our, our new version, our marketplace has got our full set of features. Uh, it's got a lot of things that no other NFT marketplace has. Uh, and we're going to be doing the same exact thing on the Ethereum chain as well. It's just taking a, a lot longer to build that out. Uh, so, you know, there's benefits and there's downsides, but overall there's a lot more benefits on Zillica, uh, mainly just the fact that it's so, it's so cheap. Like for $1, you can create your store, your smart contract, and maybe 10 NFTs per dollar. Right. So that's, that's (laughs) when you think of ETH, you're like, wow, what? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what about, uh, your audience, which app do they use the most? I guess it depends on like what they're trying to accomplish, right? Like if they're minting smart contracts, they'll probably use a Zillica app. Uh, well, so for, first you got to keep in mind that the Zillica app just launched about, you know, 25 days ago. Okay. The, the, so the, the marketplace and the 2.0 for Zillica. So before us, 
there's no place to do anything with NFTs on Zillica, right? Uh, we actually helped work on the NFT standard for Zillica. Uh, there are unstoppable domains like .zill, .crypto domains, right, from Unstoppable. Um, those don't have a place to buy or trade them for Zillica. So that's one of the things that we wanted to provide was a marketplace for that. Um, so it's only been about 25 days, uh, but we've seen about roughly a thousand users, which is, is pretty good for the first you know first month overall if you think about the kind of the entire extent of the nft marketplace that we were talking about you know that's that those aren't bad numbers at all uh, but when you compare it to uh the ethereum version that's been up for you know almost two years now so obviously there's there's a little bit more users on the ethereum side of things um but there are also two different uh kind of platforms right so on the ethereum side all it is is a tool. You can make your smart contracts, mint your tokens, manage your tokens, and then you go to another marketplace to sell them. You put them on OpenSea, right? Or you do with them what you want. If you're not selling them your project, whatnot. Um, on on the Zillica side, the 2.0, it's a it's a full marketplace. So it's very similar to you know like what you do on eBay or Etsy, mm -hmm. where you create your store, create your listing, list your NFT for sale. Uh, and then people go through browse by them, you know, your profile shows all your stats and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's two kind of different use cases, um, but we will be switching over the Ethereum version to do what we're doing on Zillica now. Um, but I think it was a good time that we launched the Zillica version because of how, how cheap gas prices are Absolutely. compared to Ethereum. So I, it's kind of really good timing. Absolutely. Do you Can have you, any... uh... Go well, ahead, well, yeah, can you can you kind of break down the, the Zillica standard that you just kind of mentioned, like uh, what kind of like smart contract features that like sets apart like your minting platform from any other minting platform? You know what I mean? Um, so, well, on Zillica, uh, there's just no other. Right. So okay. Zillica, that, that's the first thing is there's no other place for NFTs on Zillica. Uh, okay. The smart contracts in Zillica, we created, uh, it's called ZRC1, so like ERC, but with the Z. ZRC1 is... You're literally um, the first one because you claimed the one, right? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So ZRC1 is the NFT standard, and we worked closely with the Zillica team to make sure that it had all the functionality you would need for an NFT, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's got... Everything, everything that you you would expect a normal NFT that follows the 721 standard to have. Uh, it it does have um, some different things for the Zillica blockchain because the the chain runs differently. Like the the way that it runs the smart contract is a little different than Ethereum. So we, there are some other features on that. Um, but overall, it's it's exactly what it, what it should be. Uh, and then on the platform itself, uh, we have so we have private files allowing you to basically here's a problem that a lot of people ask in the nft space why am i going to spend one ether a thousand dollars two thousand dollars on this image they, they just posted on twitter that i just right clicked and saved right yeah, and that's yeah. a very common very common uh question and a lot of people don't get that that's mm. that's kind of the whole thing of digital art uh, mm. and so when when we were developing the 2.0 um, like last year i realized that we got to do private files and so what we've done is we've made a way where you can have a, an encrypted file that's basically attached to your NFT. So I can put up my, my item, my, I'll create my NFT and I'll put up a public image. That public image has maybe a watermark, maybe it's low resolution, maybe it's, you know, half of what I want to show, or maybe it's not even what I want to show, but it's just a, um, a an image I made up in paint that says, this is the best mm -hmm. NFT ever. You need to buy this, right? right? Or maybe it's a video, whatever. It can be whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Then 
on your private file, you upload the actual payload, like whatever you're actually selling. So maybe if you're selling uh, like a mural, it would be a zip file with every part of your mural, 4K resolution, you know, maybe 20 different files, maybe like the layers of it. Um, and what that does is that takes something that used to just be one image, right? For your NFT, you can only put one image on it. Uh, and in your wallet, you'll still see that one image is put on it. But you, as the owner of the NFT, you're the only person that will have access to download that that connected file, that private file, right? And so what happens is it allows for something where I can say, hey, my NFT is no longer just artwork. My NFT is going to sell my the copyright to these files that I'm giving you. And so you can get the 4K resolution, the 16 by 9 quality, um, you know, landscape portrait, whatever you whatever you want to offer, you can now connect it to the NFT. So that's huge. Um, and unfortunately, when we applied to a DAO, some of our documents got publicly released. And so some other platforms copy that and uh, they have unlockable files as well. Uh, the difference is they have a limit of like nine megabytes. Mm. Okay. Our limit is like three gigabytes. Mm. So you can upload essentially whatever you want, right? Why you is know, there I that don't limit? think anyone, huh? Why, why is there that limit? Why is there the limit of what? Three uh, gigabytes? Uh, three gigabytes. No, I mean, I mean, I'm talking about the nine megabytes. Like why, like where, where is the source of that limitation? That's, that's on their server where they store the file. They just don't want to, the, that, that, Oh, that I platform see. just doesn't want to store. They don't want to store, I, okay, I guess, okay. a large amount of files. They don't. They don't want to pay for it or whatnot. So um, the uh, question but, about the encrypted file is it encrypted with the private key of your address? No, oh, no, because if that was the case, if uh, if you transferred it, like if you sold it to me, oh, yeah, then I would then have you, to have your private key. That's true. Right. 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 So. So no, it's not. What we do is we, we use normal military grade encryption, AES-256. Uh, and then we also, here's the thing. Let me, let me put it to you this way. And, uh, and I think once you realize this, you're like, oh, hold on. So you're a crypto user. You have thousands of dollars in some extension on your browser. Yeah. And I know this. Everyone on the platform has that money. So I'm going to upload a file that you're going to download and open on your computer. What do you think a malicious person is going to upload? Right. It'd be very easy for someone to target crypto users, steal their crypto yeah. by uploading viruses. Right. For sure. And so as soon as as soon as we understood this, like as soon as we came up with the idea, we're like, OK, this is going to be we have to protect our users. And so we spent uh, this was actually a huge hurdle. We spent like four months trying to find the perfect solution to protect the users for threats by scanning the files for viruses and malware. Uh, making sure that there's nothing malicious in there, but then also not looking at the files because we don't want to know, like, it's your, you know, it's your private content. It's sure. encrypted. We don't want to know what it is. Sure. So uh, it costs us thousands of dollars a year to run this software that uh, it's it's kind of a, it's, it's government security software. So it, it's made for, you know, like confidential files, but then also protecting important stuff. Uh, and we run that on everything that's uploaded. So everything that you download, you know, that it's safe and there's no virus attached. Whereas our other competitors with like the nine megabyte limit, mm -hmm. they're not doing this. Yeah, of course. And so it's it's an important aspect that I think um, is gonna like kind of bite them in the butt when they have users be like, oh wow, I just downloaded a Trojan from their site mm -hmm. uh, because 
that's like the first thing that any malicious person is going to do is go and upload something like that to target crypto users. And so it's really important for us to have that. And if, if there's any kind of flag on any of the um, files that have been uploaded, they're immediately deleted. And then it just basically on the page, you're just like, it says, ah, you know, there's a problem. Your file is not, you know, legit or whatever. And, uh, you know, it shuts them down. Uh, if there's multiple flags, then we start looking into the account and then uh, probably we'll go and ban that user. Um, so that's a, that's a really important aspect. And why they have nine megabytes is probably a cost cutting measure. They just mm. don't want to pay for storing data. And then they also Absolutely. probably don't want to pay for virus scanning as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious to your opinion on like if you have an NFT on Zillica and then one based on Ethereum, is there credence to the value of the NFT being different from the two different blockchains? You mean like the exact same NFT? Yeah. Huh. Well, um, you know, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. And it kind of depends on the person. But I think all three of us can agree that whatever NFT was made first probably is the most legit. The other one would probably be viewed as like a copy, right? Mm -hmm. So if I made my NFT first on Silica and then it pops up on Ethereum, I would kind of be skeptical of the Ethereum version. Because mm. I'd say, hey, you know, we can look at the blockchain. We can see that this was made, you know, a day prior, a week prior. And uh, now it's on Ethereum. Is this even from the same person? Right, 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 right. right. That's true. I mean, yeah. uh, I never really thought about that that way. I mean, just like the timestamp would, would make the difference. I was thinking more along the lines of like the, the security of the blockchain or the uh, network effect of a given blockchain, the, the amount of users, like... Maybe one is minted earlier, but because everybody, let's say, let's assume everybody uses Ethereum, right? That might be the one that really matters. Does, would that make would that make any sense? Does that hold any water? Um, well, let's say Picasso was going to choose a blockchain to upload an NFT on and create an NFT. If he created it on Zillica, mm. is it any less valuable than if it was created on Ethereum? I don't think so. Yeah, I think, I it's, think so it's kind of, it's the, the content itself. Yeah. Um, the branding you power can, of it as, as well. Right, uh, right. I and think you can, you've seen some of that with the, the tops NFTs on the EOS, the WAX uh, network, I believe. You know, this is a big name. Uh, mainstream brand that's just you know so i don't know for, for whatever reason they selected eos chose that to be their hosting platform for their entities and they're selling out in seconds you know so i don't think and there's there's some legitimate arguments with that blockchain you know uh, whether or not it's functioning as promised to uh function you know from yeah. a couple years ago right exactly that's a great example um yeah. that you know the other the other part is uh just because there's more network adoption in terms of more NFTs, you also got to think the timing, right? Of how many, how long has it been out? NFTs were created on Ethereum. So it's been on the Ethereum blockchain for the longest. Um, but you also have the other side of, uh, we have a lot of people that reach out on Mintable. Uh, they'll, they'll make their NFT. They want to sell it on OpenSea. And then they come back and like, hey, like I made my item, but like, it's just in the sea, like OpenSea. It's in the mm -hmm. sea of just other NFTs. There's just thousands of them. And like, I can't get any publicity. Like, how can I sell this? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's also kind of a downside. Uh, if, if, if you're not like a big brand, if you're not some famous person, you know, you're trying to get your artwork out there, you have just so much competition. Um, so there's, there's upsides and there's downsides uh, in terms of NFTs on Ethereum. Overall, I think, Ethereum is always going to be the leader pushing out new things, right? Mm -hmm. Like DeFi didn't start on EOS. DeFi starts on Ethereum, right? right? right. NFTs didn't start on, you know, Polkadot because it didn't exist. But 
uh, NFT started on Ethereum. And so I think it's always going to be that way. And I think that other chains are going to have specialties that, that appear. Um, you know, Zilliqa is like super secure. The, the smart contracts that you have on Zilliqa, the, it's different from Ethereum. With Ethereum, if you have a bug in your smart contracts, there's a chance that someone could kind of uh, abuse this and maybe take all the funds out of the contract or something like that. But with Zilliqa, if there's a bug in your smart contract, it essentially just stops what it's doing. It just won't let you do anything else, right? Sure. It's very, um, very strict on, on when you make a smart contract that will, you tell it exactly what it can do and it can only do that. Uh, whereas Ethereum, you think you're telling it what to do and then you'll find there's a bug later and someone you know can take your funds. I'm currently working on the 721 standard uh, to redo it to do more batch minting um, mm. for NFTs. And uh, I'm in uh, the final like testing phases and I'm trying to make sure that there's <laughs> nothing just like what I just said where you know someone else can move your, your NFT and, and transfer it. So um, that's always a concern with Ethereum. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, the situation that happened with Yam, that DeFi token, where in their yeah. smart contract, their their rebase was off by like a, a couple of magnitudes, and they minted like nine octillion, you know, tokens. Yeah. Just just a couple of magnitudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, so obviously those things, um, you know, they're important to get uh, situated. But uh, I I do come from a, a a background of security, and what I've noticed is. Uh, it seems like a lot of people don't really care that much about security, which is like the oddest thing. Like, for example, the, the hack that occurs to Facebook and then we have all these like a credit card fraud, you know, situations occurring because the network got hacked and all this stuff. But people still use Facebook. Uh, they still use credit cards. Right. It's all it's all the same. Do you feel like that uh, the security like as a as a marketing standpoint really really helps in like selling a product or is it is it more like a use case more more valuable to the individual user rather than security you know that's a it's a good question i think if you if you work in security you'll probably agree that the reason that no one cares about it is just because it's so far like, disattached from yeah, them right they're, they're they don't know security they don't care about it because they just don't understand it it's just like if you tell me that you have three types of alternators i can choose for my car yeah and you know the, the specs of each alternator I'm, i don't care right yeah. whatever alternator should go in there yeah i don't know yeah. um so it's the same it's kind of the same thing where the average person just doesn't care about security of course they care about their money in their account they care about you know that they don't get their credit card stolen um but if, if it was two exact platforms and you say, hey, this one's secure, this one's a little bit less secure, there's probably going to be no difference in their decisions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it, sad. It is It is sad uh, that, you know, so many people spend spend a lot of time, like, creating security products. And uh, it's the, the best one never wins. It's the one with, like, the marketing or the one with, like, you know, some some sort of, like, like known force, like a, like a celebrity pushing it or whatever it is. It's... It's the one that you think should win doesn't end up winning. So it's it's been a little interesting kind of seeing it from from the outside perspective on how different blockchains approach security. Um, well, you know, I would say there's a base layer, right? It's a base layer of, of something that has to be provided. Yeah. And if that if, it, if it's below that base layer, then it will never take off regardless if they have good marketing, right? Like if, if Twitter got hacked every week, and people were losing money from stolen credit cards and stuff like sure. they're not gonna you know they wouldn't have taken off that's true right so there is a there's a base layer that has to be abided by like you can't have major issues every single you know 
uh, every event or whatever. Sure, so that's sure. um, no, absolutely. You know. I, I totally agree. If if your platform is getting hacked every single week, I mean, there's there's got to be a breaking point for people to just stop using it. So uh, right. so yeah. So I want to hear more of um, kind of like the NFT space and how are you how are you kind of like. I would say, how are you preparing for like the next wave? Because I think with Bitcoin, like on its way to potentially, you know, breaking all all time highs in the next year or two, do you think there's, you're, you're expecting a huge influx of NFT users within the next year or two, specifically because, you know, Bitcoin and all these other DeFi token space taking off? Yeah, I would, um, you know, I would bet that 365 days from now, you know, a year from now, we're going to have, uh, probably double the nft users that we have now right mm, okay. uh and i i would say that that's going to be from two things one the fact that crypto overall is going to get a lot more like you know as we start a bull run we're gonna have a lot of people like oh what's google you know googling like what's bitcoin and, and what's ethereum and how do i get into crypto and i think uh when they do that the easiest example for a new person is a digital item right to say Here's an example of a, a, a deed to a house, or here's an example of artwork, or uh, you know, World of Warcraft gold as an item, right? Mm -hmm. um, and these are really easy use cases that people can attach onto and start playing with right away. So I think a lot of people are going to, you know, the route that they're going to take is going to be, what is crypto? They hear about crypto. Oh, what is this digital item? Let me explore these digital items. And then after they've done all that, they've got their MetaMask set up from doing that. They're going to dive into, you know, they'll take the next step into DeFi or, or some other, mm -hmm. you know, more high level product. Um, the second thing that's going to happen, I think, is naturally, you know, as an artist or a musician or any kind of content creator, when they hear about the possibilities of NFTs and like how using something like Mintable, you can get in continuous engagement for something that normally was like one time, right? Like if I sold my music, I sell my, my MP3 and that's it. That person never comes back to me. I can never get like, you know, uh, another sell unless I sell another product to them, like another album or another MP3. But that one MP3 doesn't come back and give me return business. Whereas, you know, something else like uh, a computer, if you just think about a computer, mm -hmm. if I buy this, the return business that, uh, you know, the, the company that sold me the computer gets from accessories, repair, software, uh, you know, and upgrades, there's this continuous engagement that they have with their, their customer, whereas you don't get that with digital downloads. Sure. So when, when an artist hears about this and they recognize like, oh, I can do the same thing that I'm doing now, just a lot better with more profit, uh, they're going to be coming over into the NFT space. And when they come over to the NFT space, they're going to get more and more people and it's just going to grow, right? And so I think that that's the second way that the NFT space is going to grow organically. It's just more people are going to hear about it because there's more people in it, mm -hmm. right? And so if you think last year, we we probably only had maybe 10,000 to 50,000 total NFT users. And now this year we have anywhere from 100,000 to you know 200,000 addresses and probably 20 to 50,000, uh, you know, actual uh, users themselves. Um, you you mentioned so uh, you mentioned a quick question on uh, minting like a deed and uh, tying a deed to an NFT. Yeah. What do you think is the best way to tie like a physical asset to a digital one? Uh, build out a custom infrastructure and platform to handle that. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a hard it's a hard challenge to solve, and it's really dependent upon exactly what you're doing. If you're doing um, a clothing line and you're doing a deed to a house, those are two completely separate platforms that need to be built to handle those use cases, right? Um, if you're doing a clothing line, it's really simple. 
to uh, be able just to accept that NFT kind of like a coupon, like a free T-shirt kind of thing, sure. and then mail them out the the T-shirt. Um, there's other ways you can do it as well, where you know when the NFT is purchased. Uh, they're not actually getting the NFT of the t-shirt, they're getting like a coupon. And then when you mail them the actual t-shirt, it comes with the NFT that is maybe attached to the, the shirt physically, um, and, you know, in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, for a house, it's a lot different. You have all the regulations that you need to abide by uh, for your local jurisdiction, right? Which is different depending on what part of the world you're in. Uh, and then you have third parties that need to be updated or need to be uh, kind of aware of a transfer of ownership. Uh, and then you also can't mail a house. You can mail the right. deed to a house, right. um, but that doesn't necessarily ensure that everything has been handled properly for transferring ownership of a house. Um, so, and on top of that, you need it, some. You need to flex some legal power over. You know, if I if I send you the token to this house, um, that and, and you have the token in your wallet, it's your house now, and that has to be backed by the legal system as well. Yeah, and that's that's something that my co-founder and I've joked about for like almost two years now. Is we say we need to sue each other to uh, yeah. set some legal precedents over NFTs. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but the uh, the problem with that is, is well, there is no legal precedent right now for recognizing NFTs as like property or ownership rights. You can kind of assume some certain things. I'm obviously not a lawyer, but it's it's almost like a public, uh, like a public notification, a public record. If I if I uh, if there's a requirement that says, for example, if I want to make a patent in America, I have to publish um, something like the newspaper, uh, you know, uh, letting people know about. The, the process that I'm starting. Sure. And uh, you can assume the same thing would apply for a blockchain because it's public. It's got a timestamp uh, and it could be seen by anyone in the world. So you, you, you might be able to safely assume that it does work in some of these ways in the same manner. And so if it works as like a public notification or announcement, then it may also very well work in a court of law where you can say, hey, mm-hmm. look, you can see I transferred this to, yeah. you know, Joe Bob over, you know, a month ago. And this is um, physically tied based off of cryptography or, or whatever mechanism I put into the smart contract to connect it to a deed. Right. Um, and that may, that may stand up in court. Of course, you know, you never know until it happens. Um, but uh, that's kind of the problem with being on the new side of technology. Yeah, no, we don't know. I know that there's been some court cases with uh, I, I don't know if it was well. I mean, obviously we we know about uh, you know Bitcoin and and the whole thing with uh, what's what's that guy's name again? Uh, Craig. Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's been others where the court did recognize the ledger, a uh, decentralized ledger, as a form of like an audit. So there's some precedence in that, but obviously not NFTs yet because there hasn't been a, a real, you know, situation where NFTs like are at stake on, you know, something like, you know, millions of dollars. So until we get there, the courts won't see anything. So well, it, I'll, make you, I'll make you a deal. I'll, I'll send you a, an NFT that says that, uh, that you owe me a few hundred dollars and then I'll, I'll take your court over it. All yeah. claims court. We'll More like, dude, send it over, but uh, put a million dollars. That way people pay attention, you know? Yeah. But then you'll have to pay me a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's, uh, uh, what's the most obvious, like in, in the future, do you still see digital assets like gameplay game assets as like the, the dominating force use case for NFTs or, 
Or could there be some other use case like uh, enterprise where uh, all employees have to have this NFT in their wallet to log into the network? Um, that way, I mean, you could prevent hackers from logging in if, you know, they don't have the valid NFT. Yeah, you, you could use an NFT for that, although it would effectively be the same as just using any, you know, uh, wallet, right? Because you could just, if you own this address, you can log in, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you lose that wallet I, and then somebody else could log in. Right. But then at the same time, if you lose that wallet, then they would have your NFT as well. That's right. That's right. So, um, and I was thinking about it today about a DAO that use, instead of like tokens for voting, why not just use NFTs for voting where everyone's yeah. issued a non-transferable NFT that's tied to their address. Uh, and then they could just, almost like a, you know, like an ID card where they could just say, okay, I'm able to vote. I voted. Okay. That's it. I can only vote once. Um, but for there's there's a ton of enterprise uh, uses and actually we're already seeing enterprise uses if you look at the NFT space right now what I would say maybe 80% of the projects are businesses right you have projects themselves that are making NFTs for their game or they're doing some sort of like sell with these NFTs um, so look at Decentraland right that's a business that's a I, I don't know if the word enterprise is the right word here, but it is definitely a entity, a business entity using NFTs for their business you know, purpose. Absolutely. Um, in this case, they're they're selling like game items. Yep. Um, I don't think game items are going to be. I've never never been a fan of game items and NFTs being like the killer use case. I feel like that's low hanging fruit. I feel like you you're looking at a potential that you know could be applied to identity to transferring property on a blockchain uh and then the, the you know the big thing is video game items like that seems very very small to me i think that overall there's a lot more potential to be used uh globally for other things sure. um and so i don't know if game items will be the number one use case uh, because you also have to assume with game items that you don't want to pay a fee to do anything with the game. Absolutely. Right? Like, I don't want to have, if I don't want, if I want to transfer my sword, if I want to trade it between characters, I don't want to pay a transaction fee. And so I, I, I think that there's some downsides for it to be focused on like non-essential items or non-financial um, items or things like that. I don't know what the answer is though. I don't know what will be uh, the main use case of NFTs by like say next year or something like that or in the future. Uh, I know with Mintable, we're providing like a new use case of any kind of file. So, um, you know, it allows for, uh, you know, I'm a software developer and maybe I have an app that I want to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can make that as an NFT and I can say there's only one copy, there's only five copies. I can upload, you know, my entire code base as a zip file, attach it to this NFT. And then when you buy that, it's instantly transferred over to you. You have a verifiable record on the blockchain that you can say the copyright was transferred for commercial use. So they can commercially use the software. Uh, and then only that person can download and access that NFT. Um, I mean, download access to those files because they own that NFT. So that's kind of a new thing that, that we haven't been able to see before. You know, we've seen attach an image to it, maybe a YouTube video, but we've never seen attach, you know, multiple files that are private never seen uh you know oh it's a 3d image how about i give you the whole 3d package of all the layers all the different you know materials and textures that we have attached to it um and so that's a big thing it allows for a lot kind of broader uh, items to be sold as assets uh using nfts and that's huge so you're talking about this private file um do you think that the art community has 
has put too much weight on putting their files in IPFS or Arweave to make sure their file is always accessible and doesn't get deleted at any point? Like, or is it, is art more valuable when it's on a private like file? Well, so the, the private file and the lure of using IPFS or Arweave for decentralized hosting, uh, those are kind of separate use cases in the sense of when you put something on IPFS or Arweave, you're doing it because you want it to be there in 10 years, 20 yes, years. Right. Um, although the problem is, this is why I'm not big on either of those two. With IPFS, it's not going to be there for 20 years. And unless you run or the company that, that you use is running a server to host that on IPFS, it's going to be deleted after a year. So which doesn't make much sense to me because you're relying on a, a centralized company to run a server for your file. So mm -hmm. it's there, but you don't want to host it on a normal, a normal server, which yeah. is cheaper to do and could be ran longer. So that's, that's my beef with IPFS for our weave. The, our weave is, it's just another blockchain. It's like saying that it's too hard to store an image on uh, Ethereum. So I'm going to go store it on Tron. Right. And now it's decentralized. Sure. Maybe it's decentralized. Um, but it's not even on the Ethereum blockchain either. Um, so there's also with Arweave, whoever runs a node can decide they don't want to like host your data. They can basically say, we're not going to host this. We're not going to accept this. And if for any reason, uh, a majority of people just don't like you or like what you're hosting, sure. it won't be available either. So there is a ability to censor uh, essentially whatever content you're putting on there. Um, but overall, it is a little bit better in terms of longevity compared to IPFS because at least it will be there as long as the operators are running the node. But there's no guarantee that they're going to do that either. If, if it's a failed project, um, then you know they'll stop running their node. And the last beef I have with that is you needed a token to do it, which is kind of ridiculous. So if I want to post my data on Arweave, I have to have it and pay a storage fee yeah. with their Arweave token, yeah. um, which if, if you want to do that, that's, that's fine for you to do that. And you can host it. But none of those are private. That's the thing. Is they're all public. So whenever you put something on IPFS or Arweave or almost any decentralized file storage, none of them are private unless you choose to encrypt it. And if you choose to encrypt it, whoever wants to view that now needs to have your decryption key, which you're going to have to provide to them somehow. Um, and there's not really a good way to do that, right? If I buy your NFT on OpenSea or on Mintable, how are you going to message me? All you have is my Ethereum address, right? Sure, so sure. you can't provide that. Um, what we provide uh, is, yes, it is centralized, right? And it's centralized, and that's why we allow up to three gigabytes because it's very cheap to store information normally like a normal yes. company yeah. does. And so for us, we have a 10-year guarantee where even if Mintable shuts down tomorrow, we're still going to host all the data for your NFT, all the files, and everything for 10 years because it's extremely cheap to do so. Um, and because of that, we can allow these private these files to be private, these files to be secure. They can be scanned for viruses so that you know that you're not getting any malicious information. They're encrypted so that you know that we can't look at them. Like even if we wanted to, we can't look at them because they're all encrypted. And it's actually double encrypted because the way that it's stored and everything, it's encrypted once uh, when you upload it and then it's encrypted again when it's actually when stored. It's stored. Yeah, um, correct. And so there's no way for us to access it. Uh, and it gives these benefits of like, you know, scalability is one. There's no there's no lag time of, of waiting for it to propagate across a blockchain distributed network. And there's no issue with querying the information, right? You're not going to have to wait seven minutes um, to be able to download this, like with, say, example, Arweave. 
uh, which takes time for it to go across the network. You could theoretically put a bunch of your passwords to all these websites and put them in a file and then store them in, on, on this uh, Zillica blockchain or on this uh, Mintable blockchain. And uh, and then you would always, if as long as you had that NFT, you can access that file and you would you would be able to back up in a sense i guess you would still need to back up your private key still but i'm just trying mm -hmm. to think of other kind of use cases for this because this is interesting this private aspect to this yeah you can also sell accounts too you can sell like video game accounts i can sell accounts to yeah, uh that's true you know, different websites and platforms and i can sell um balances as well like maybe i have a balance of a hundred dollars on a website and I sell that account, right? That it gives you that hundred dollar balance. Yeah, right, um, right, right. I don't know if I if personally would upload my passwords and then use that as a way to back up. That is one thing we thought about is that people could not even sell their NFT and they could just use the three gigabyte limit and just start uploading all of their stuff from their computer yeah. and yeah. <laughs> use it as like a like a Google Drive. Yeah. Uh, and if, I mean, if they want to do that, whatever. Uh, you know, we're not going to stop them. Uh, but that's obviously not what it was meant for. Sure. Uh, and there's other places as well that you can upload things for, you know, three gigabyte limits. Uh, and I think people just don't realize like, oh, I could use this as Google Drive. Uh, but they could. Uh, I think some of the most interesting use cases are a way that you can give multiple purposes to something that had one purpose. So let me give you an example of like a musician. Okay. Say you're a famous uh, musician and you sell an album, a single with a special album cover and it's it's got the single track and you're only going to make a hundred of them, right? But you sell it for a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars for one song is really expensive. Normal songs like ninety nine cents, right? If you buy it. Um, so why would I want to purchase this for a hundred dollars? It's collectible. Okay, what else? Well, if I'm the musician, I can say, hey, if you bought that collectible NFT for a hundred dollars, any time in the next year, I will give you VIP access to one of my concerts, backstage nice. access, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can go in and you can just show, you don't have to buy a concert ticket. You can just show them your NFT in your wallet, and then you have access as like a VIP to any concert. Or you can say, oh. If you have that, I'll give you free swag on my store and I'll send you a free t-shirt or something like that. Or they can say, hey, if you have that, I'm going to be dropping my next single and maybe not the super rare version, like not the 100 out of, you know, the, the only 100 copies, but maybe out of the 500 copies, I'll send you one of those like, sure. you know, uh, bronze editions or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's the continuous engagement aspect that, that we're kind of creating with NFTs where you can essentially have repeat customers from your fan base that used to just be a one-time purchase of just giving a song and then, you know, going away. Yeah, it increases uh, so I think engagement that's too. Say that again. It, it increases engagement too. I mean, they're always engaged on right. on the artist and what their next move is because they're sort of invested, right? Because they could yield something, you know, with more, uh, maybe potentially purchasing more NFTs, right? Um, right. And then they can sell it too. Like if they ever want to like stop participating oh, in that, sure. that, that you know, they could just sell it and get their money back. No, absolutely. Uh, well, one of the things that Iman and I talk about uh, kind of, uh, a lot is the idea of like this 2080 kind of split rule in, in cryptocurrency right now is is that uh, during a bear market, there's a lot less people right involved in the cryptocurrency space because there's a lot less to speculate on because everything's going down. And so what remains is the 20% of the people who are into cryptocurrencies for the technology, for the improvement, for the development, all that stuff. Uh, but you cannot fund 
a cryptocurrency project with just the 20%, right? You need the 80% speculative uh, kind of group over there to, you know, come with uh, with force, with, uh, with the monetary force that's needed to really make a project what it should be or what it can be, right? So we're thinking in the NFT space is like, a lot of the NFT development right now is really based on like, like for example, yourself, you're thinking of these different use cases and the, and you have the ability to build these, these things out, right? Because you're a software developer. Uh, but what we think is there's an opportunity to kind of add speculative tokens to these NFT projects and which will bring the 80%, which, you know, once the 80% comes in, then you're, you could easily raise millions of dollars and then, you know, finish out a project. So I, I kind of want to get your opinion on potentially having a token that represents your project and, you know, whether or not it makes sense or whether we're thinking about this correctly in terms of like the 80-20 split and just want to get your thoughts on, on that. Um, I think it's a good idea to execute it properly, right? Like, um, uh, I'm in the smart contracts for uh, a project that allows for you to stake a stable coin to an NFT, right? And um, that's a good use case because there's inherent value that's locked in the NFT so that you can say it's kind of like a base price. Um, but I think if, you know, a project in and of itself just comes up with a coin, uh, which actually a NFT platform did just recently do this, uh, and they, they offer, you know, their coin to be locked into NFTs, and then you get more of their coin by staking it. Sure. I, I don't think is a is a good example or a good use case because there's no inherent value in the coin. There's no, you know, yeah, I'm going to get more coins from buying the first batch of coins, but it's still the same exact coin and there's nothing, like I'm not getting any USD value out of it uh, unless I choose to sell them and assuming that there's a market to sell them. Exactly. So I think let, execution- me pause you. let me pause you right there because you, you bring up a really good point. If, uh, if you go back to the YAM project that we were talking about, you would, in that project, you have to stake Compound and Maker and, and all these tokens that you may have bought, you know, in the past, you stake them within YAM and you yield yam tokens like i didn't i didn't really understand like what's the point of that well, i mean what's the value in yam like why would i want to collect yam if i have compound and maker so you're you're essentially making the same point is you know being able to stake this token that you just minted out of thin air for more tokens like uh, well, I think I think with Yam, one example is when you're staking something uh, like A tokens or a, a C token, you're already getting interest from that platform in and of itself. So when I put it into Yam, I ride Yam for a day or two. I can go back to Compound or I go back to Ave, and I can then return those tokens and get my other profits from them, right? So it's almost like a double profit. So I get my Yam, I get my my okay. original interest that I should have gotten, um, and I think that's kind of the alert. And then also, of course, because it's like a hype cycle right now, it's almost like the ICO boom. The EM token is like highly overvalued. Um, the difference is if I was given yam, I bought yam, and then I staked yam, and then I got more yam. Yeah. Then the token really has like no value, right? And that's what that's what some of the that's like what one of these platforms are doing right now is staking to NFTs. Is you stake token A, you get token A from staking token A, and it's just kind of this continuous cycle, there's no profit to be made there, yeah. right? Because you won't, everyone's going to be able to sell token A, and no one's going to want to buy token A. Um, and so I don't think, I think execution is really important. I think if you take something like an A token uh, or a C token and you stake that to an NFT, um, 
that makes a little bit of sense, but it's essentially the same as just holding on to it. Um, unless there's some mechanism built into the NFT, um, like gameplay, uh, or something else that works, uh, well with the deposit system so that you have a reason to do it and you're rewarded for doing so properly. Um, of course, this is all like new, um, kind of new approach into combining, you know, maybe DeFi into NFTs or just ERC points into NFTs. And so we don't really know the best way to do it. Um, there is, you know, like Avogadro is playing around with the idea, uh, which is going to be taking eight tokens and putting them into NFTs. Uh, and if executed properly, it could be huge, right? And that, so that's that's uh, funny. Um, remember th- what does that sound like, I man? Uh, remember uh, the <laughs> imbued concept that we came out with. Uh, mm-hmm. So so th- think of this. Oh, Zach. We, never, we never came out with it. Oh yeah, about yeah, it we talked about it. <laughs> No, but uh, so think of this, Zach. Uh, so you have this NFT, and let, let's call it uh, let, let's call this NFT carbon, right? It's uh, it's the element carbon. And what you would do with this okay. NFT is you would stake this NFT, right? You you would stake it with let's say die a stable coin, right? Sort of like what you were talking about. And which so what what the smart contract would do is that the smart contract would take the stable coin and turn that into a, a C die, which you would gain interest from. And what you would do is you would, uh, through an X amount of time, let's say two weeks, from you go from carbon to diamond. And so you would burn the carbon NFT and you would return the user a diamond NFT. And that diamond would represent the time that you spent staking it and the money that you spent uh, staking it as well. So, for example, you would you would stake the, the carbon plus $1,000 worth of die. And then the smart contract platform would take the interest of that die for those two weeks, but then they would return you a diamond NFT. And then that diamond would theoretically have a speculative value because somebody, you know, spent their own time, right? They, they, they staked it for two weeks. And then the next round of diamond, you go to like, you could keep going into these different iterations up to like, you're staking it for a year for hundred thousand dollars and then all of a sudden you're getting a galactic core and that nft represents somebody spending their time and money and of course they get their dies back right you stake a hundred thousand die after a year you get a hundred thousand die back the platform keeps the interest but you get a galactic core nft and so then you could sell that for you know hundred thousand a million dollars whatever it is whatever spe- speculative value that is See, that's, these are, I think this might be like the next wave of NFTs where we have a lot of connected interest bearing, you know, tokens from like DeFi are being connected to NFTs to give them more value. Right. Uh, and they, they very well could be the next um, kind of wave or it might not be because maybe it's too complicated for users. Yeah, you know, we don't know. Uh, I think that's a good example of, of you know, a project that has uh, kind of like inherent value built in. The only thing I would I would change on that would just be the platform keeping the interest. If I stick a hundred thousand die for a year, that's a lot of interest. And I think that that should be locked into the NFT, which gives that galactic yeah. core its value. Sure. And if you ever remove that interest, then it would delete the NFT. Sure. You can sure. get your interest back, but your NFT is deleted. I wonder how would you fund that project if they're not there's not some kind of revenue um, scheme attached to it. But uh, ultimately, you could attach a revenue scheme. Um, I mean, it could be as simple as just a fee every a fee. time you yeah, deposit something. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Say you know, like a, a flat fee of maybe I don't know. Let's just say like ten dollars to to mint an NFT. So if you're starting out, whether it's a carbon or if it's ten dollars a die or a hundred thousand dollars a die, you're still paying the ten dollars. 
Uh, and then over time, you know, the platform can make the money from that way. Um, it, it, the business model really just depends depends on the whole ecosystem sure. that's being built around that 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 uh, the NFT project. There could be a, a, a more profitable way or a better way to earn money on that. Yeah, and this it all stems from the idea of like adding some speculative, like a higher speculative notion to NFTs rather than just the NFT itself. Like if uh, we believe that if you make NFTs functional, like we have with uh, MetaZone, that they would they would be you know inherent value to it, um, rather than just like minting NFTs out of thin air and then just like hoping that people care about it, right? Um, so that's sort of like how we're, we're thinking about it, like trying to tap into that eighty percent space because that's that's what really captures people's attention is the ability to potentially make a lot of money. And that's why the 80% is there. Uh, the, the 20% of us are more interested in like solving problems and like trying to figure out like what's the next infrastructure that we need to build and, and all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's what interests me the most. Um, and I'm sure that's sort of how you think Zach. So, uh, we're, we're kind of aligned in that, in that respect. Um, so, so we've been speaking for, for about an hour. I know you have, um, I'm sure a million other things to do. Um, I just want to get your your thoughts on like, so how much do you know about Decentraland? Um, I mean, I know the basics. I'm not a diehard uh, die fan, but uh, I've, I've logged in. I've played it about uh, a bit and I have like a character and have a little bit of mana. I don't have any property, uh, but I do have a uh, character. So it's uh it's pretty interesting kind of seeing like these these NFTs being represented in land. I wonder if if there's ever ever going to be a use case of like physical land being represented with NFTs at some point. But I guess we'll. I think it already is happening, isn't it? There's like oh, a, that's yeah. true, yeah. Upland or Upverse or something like that. There's a project out there. It's a virtual okay. world that's 100% tied to like real world, physical world, you know, geography. Oh, interesting. I think so. I don't. Can, I don't. Yeah. Think that's actually like. That's not legit though. Like if I buy, you know, the land of the, you know, the by Times uh, Square. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna actually do that. But there is a project called Real T, which does real estate, uh, and I believe those are NFTs. Uh, if they're not NFTs, then they're ERC twenties. Uh, but they sell real estate, and I don't know. It's kind of close to the actual land property. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, Zach, I want to thank you for, for being here. I know uh, you, you just, I, I want to make sure we don't like run over time here for for you. And um, just want to thank you for being here. Hopefully we can uh, get back on and kind of talk shop more about NFTs. And, and later on, like uh, you, you said that your Zillica platform was only 25 days old. Is there anything you want yeah. to share about that that uh, the audience might want to know? Well, it's a little late now, but we have a like the first NFT trading challenge, which okay. is uh, basically if you're and you you add your store to the competition, and then the person that sells the most items for the highest value wins. Uh, we have about two thousand five hundred dollars for prizes. That ends in three days, so okay. there's probably no chance of someone winning if they <laughs> went signed up today, because okay. uh, we got a lot of people that are pretty high up there already um but overall uh i think check it out especially if you're kind of scared of the gas fees on ethereum right now check out sure. uh, the zillica version We're it's, it's exactly the same as what you're used to on ethereum you just get a browser extension uh and then you can start playing around um and if you don't want to do that at least check it out to see what our 2.0 is going to look like when okay. we release that on the ethereum version it's going to look very similar uh with a few different features but pretty much the same okay Def- definitely we'll check it out uh- 
So uh, being on on Ethereum, we we know all about that uh, Ethereum gas prices right now, and it's it's really halting everything. So we'll definitely have to look into Zilliqa and and definitely Mintable as well. So uh, Zach, thank you for being here, and uh, let's talk again soon, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys' time, William and right. Ivor. Thank you. All right, all right. Take care. Bye bye. Awesome. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Blockrunner podcast. Make sure you visit our website, theblockrunner.com, and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto. Also, reach out to us on Twitter at TheBlockRunner.